This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Seagull Social Season 3, Episode 40, and what a podcast we have in store for you today. Um, unfortunately, maybe not so mu- uh, much for Charlie, <laughs> but Charlie, first of all, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I know as a Man United fan, it must be pretty difficult to get beaten by teams like Brighton, so we really appreciate you um, you coming on uh, and taking some time out. How are you? You all good? Yeah, good, thank you. I know, in all honesty, you know what? I feel like football's changed so much, it's not, it's not like a... I feel like what five five years ago it would have been like you know when you lose to teams like Brighton that's no longer like a thing anymore. Brighton are um, not just Brighton as well you know Brentford, Fulham you know these teams they might drop off next year but watching Brighton last night genuinely that is the best footballing performance that I've seen. Admittedly, I don't watch much football other than um, Manchester United, but that's the best the best footballing team that I've seen this season. Like. I tweeted about it a few times, like ridiculous. And when Pep said about the uh, Brighton being the best uh, first phase build-up team, and you're and you're playing with no disrespect, um, in all honesty, what should be probably above average players, and they're able to do what they're being able to do, right? It's it's uh, you know all credit to you. No, mate. Well, I was about to say what an intro until that last line, but uh, no, no, no. I, I agree. I agree with uh, a lot you said. A lot that you said there. Um, the, the praise that we're getting around the Premier League, I don't think we would have got that. Let's say even two, three years ago. So to get the kind of praise from Klopp, Pep Guardiola, uh, and, yeah, the elite managers saying about how well we're playing. Yeah, I think it's a testament to how far we've come. And uh, Ryan, uh, you of course were at the game. Uh, how mm-hmm. are you feeling? You uh, did you celebrate? Did you go out last night? My throat's a little bit sore, but um, yeah, I'm feeling good, mate. I'm feeling. To be fair, I actually didn't realise it was as bad as it was until I tried talking. But it's it's it's, it's all right now. But mate, I've I've not celebrated that much at the Amex in I don't even know. Like I know I know that we've got Char. Yeah, I don't know. I know that we have Charlie on here, and I don't want to just like completely rub it in his face. But the way that that game went, obviously after the semi final, the the way that you know, I'm not not taking anything away from Matoma and. Um, there's a couple that went down for us, but Rashford, I, I think I lost my head at least five times before that goal at the amount of times he fell on the floor. And the way it sort of just comes back as perfect poetry, we lose on penalties at the FA Cup semi-final and we win today with a penalty, well, yesterday with a penalty in the 99th minute. Composure from Alexis was unbelievable, I, but my gosh. I think, I think it, it even goes before that, right? You think about the COVID season when we got the penalty mm-hmm. um, in, and actually the game stopped 
the whole game had finished and then yes. we, we go back and score that penalty. Football, go, what goes around comes around. So We, we don't sure. need to talk about that, Charlie. Do you know what I mean? We don't need to talk about that. That's in the past, <laughs> all right? Uh, <laughs> we're focusing on, on the now, mate, all right? No, uh, no that was a very hurtful moment. I remember I remember that. The full-time whistle went and, uh, yeah, you got a penalty somehow, which is very classic uh, Premier League slash Man United relationship, really. But, um, mm. yeah, that's, an, that's another conversation. But, Charlie, just before we get into the game, of course, we've got loads to digest and lots to go through. Um, if you don't mind, obviously, you, you, you've done a lot in your career up to this date, um, and you, I'm sure you're going to be doing a lot more going forward as well. But what, what are you currently doing? Are you working with the United Stand? Am I right in saying at the moment? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a content creator for the United Stand, so that's anything from, uh, obviously, like presenting, hosting shows. Um, so, like, we have a fan forum after after every game, so I was, I was hosting that last night. Uh, hence why I've probably got a few bags under my eyes. It was a late one. Um, but, yeah, just <laughs> kind of... Join the club. Talking and digesting, obviously, what happened, giving our, our opinions as, as fans, uh, obviously, to then um, producing, editing, or social media production, or everything, um, and kind of comes under that content creation thing. And yeah, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, it's, it, in all honesty, it's weird. Since, since joining, I've never watched as little football uh, in terms of like other oh, really? teams. Yeah, like, because, because, my job is so football centric and obviously mm-hmm. like I'm watching Manchester United, watching the highlights, watching the games back. It's like I almost don't have time to then watch a Champions League game. Like I, You know, I, I've taken my time to try and watch um, kind of other games like the, the City Arsenal game to try and watch that. But in all, in all honesty, like I'm not not too bothered about anyone else. But yeah, yeah Brighton, so, were, Brighton were very, very good last night. Yeah. Uh, and um, am I right in saying you work with Mark Goldbridge? Is that right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. What's that like? Just from a sort of insider's point of view, because of course we we see Mark Goldbridge as a content creator, as a as sometimes as a meme. We see, we see him <laughs> all over the internet. What's he really like? Is is he like the same as he is? You know what we see that that what you see? Yeah. I, I mean, it's it, I, he's a he's a he's a nice guy, right? He he. Um, I think one thing with. Uh, content creators or YouTubers that kind of goes across the board is when you're on camera, you're you're always a little bit more eccentric, right? Because you've got people to entertain, you've got people to please. Um, you know, that might be, someone might be having a, a rubbish day and then you're almost their escape. So so you've got to be a little bit more eccentric, but he's very much the same, um, just a little bit quieter, I guess. Not not as eccentric. He's He's still yeah. very much, you know, someone that, he could just say the most ridiculous things, but it's just like very normal fit to come out of his. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, like a nice guy. Yeah, he's a. Uh, he, he just loves Manchester United, uh, and yeah, he's a he's a good guy. It's top stuff, top stuff. And then finally, um, your hashtag days as well. Are, are you still playing for hashtag United, or or is that now over? No, I, I had to stop playing for. So I stopped. Um, I think it was. It was around COVID time. I I. Initially, lived. I moved to Essex to help, basically, um, playing for them. And I, I did work for them for a bit. And then COVID happened literally as I think... I think I went home for, like, Mother's Day and the lockdown happened. And oh, then, man. basically, I just had to move back home because um, we were locked down for, what, eight months or whatever it was. Um, yeah. And then, by that time, I think I probably got injured for the 16th time that season. And it was just like... You know, football moves like too me, fast, <laughs> and it was just too fast to travel up and down every every uh, week. So, yeah, no, they're doing good things. Promotion again, didn't they? They won the league, so yeah, it's, yeah. 
really Tastes cool. like promotion. Yeah. Yeah, no. No, amazing. Good stuff. Uh, well, no, look, Charlie, again, uh, it's, it's great to, for you to come on. And, uh, well, yeah, without further Some ado, man. we'll get cracking into, into the game. Um, so, Ryan, do you want to kick us off? I, obviously, I've got lots of talking points to go through. But just quickly, give us a, a, a quick minute or, or 30 second synopsis of, of, of the game and then we'll get into it. A lot of cheating. <laughs> um, but, to be fair, um, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to jump in here. To be fair, a few of our players as well, like in CISO, I know. And again, we'll get onto this as well. Fair bit, to be fair. Yeah, in CISO, Matoma as well, and but of course, yeah, Man United players as well, like Rashford, uh, Rashford which was going Fernandez. down. Fern- Fernandez, yeah. Anthony. Moment, so I think it was a bit, um, bit, bit of both. To be honest with you, yeah, Casemiro. But um, yeah, well, uh, what we'll say is what look footballing wise, we. I think first half, um, to be fair to, to them, that I thought the first sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes, they had a few chances. Um, it wasn't so plain sailing then. Um, I think we sort of got into our stride. I thought Billy Gilmore was fantastic first half. I thought he was probably one of the best players on the pitch alongside Adam Webster. Um, Caicedo was doing a decent job on the right, but I guess when he, when Gilmore came off, it did make sense at the time to try and put a little bit more in midfield. But, um, no, I thought he, I thought he played a fantastic game. I'm so happy for him because, you know, it wasn't too long ago. Everyone was calling him the almost forgotten man, wasn't he really? And now he's, mm. you know, nailing himself on as a bit of a starter for us and alongside Alexis and, um, Caicedo. But no, I thought first half, yeah, uh, got into it probably the last sort of 20 minutes. Second half, I, I thought we just completely dominated. Really, I don't. I didn't really see yeah. too much from United that I remember anyway. That could be the tainted vision of the Alexis penalty so late, but um, I, I don't remember much. I just remember sort of really dominating the game. I think we were pretty strong throughout, and um, yeah, I was, I was just happy with the way we played again because we seem to have this weird thing when we play against these big teams. We do it every week anyway, but we just raise our game that little bit more, and uh, I think it showed again last night. But I was a bit worried that. We're going to be coming away from it with one of those classic, you know, we deserve more and we're going to be frustrated because I think, you know, to come away from a draw against United nowadays is frustrating rather than, you know, you want to win the game. It's mad. <laughs> well, Charlie, um, just just quickly, of course, you can give your Man United perspective because it's always great to hear that because um, we are a bit blinded, you know, by, by our team sometimes. Um, but just quickly, before the game, obviously, we had four changes from Wolves and we had Caicedo at right back. Did that... Surprise you? Were you were you quite happy with that? And do you think that was going to be sort of advantage Man United going into the game? Um, no, look, I mean, Caicedo is ridiculous. Um, he's so, so, so good. And I think the only time, the one time I can remember Rashford getting the better of Caicedo was yeah. it, it was kind of in and around the box. And you could see Caicedo just didn't want to let him on his right foot. So it opened up yeah. him going yeah. on his left foot. And I think yeah. he missed or, or still, still made the save. Um, that was literally the only time. And look, let's be honest, Rashford, as of late, isn't in the greatest of form. But overall, he's having the best season goal-scoring-wise and performance-wise of his career, right? So he's he's quite high on confidence. So to be able to say, as a someone who doesn't traditionally play right back. I don't know if he has done a job in the past, but to my knowledge, he for us, that's, but yeah. that's the first no, time yeah. right, he's played at fullback. So, yeah, to be able to... And it's like even even when you guys were on the ball, he did push in like that inverted fullback, didn't he? And yeah. went into like that midfield area. I just think, you know, you've... Uh, credit to Brighton, the, the scouting and the network that, that you guys have, have built up. Like, you know, the, there's a few players... You know, you get rid of Cucurella right, for 60 million or whatever it was, and you bring this other left-back, Estupinan or whatever, and he's better yeah. 
got like 18 million <laughs> better than him. And I know Cucurella's having an awful season in the Chelsea shirt, but like, funny, you know, it? it's it's just, it, it is what, what teams aspire to do, right? You bring in, you, you're turning over a profit and then hope, hopefully, look, I, I mean, my, a load of people will probably say, like, you know, why don't you support your local? Because my local is Brighton, right? But I just never grew up, I never grew up watching Brighton, my idol was David Beckham. On the TV, it was always Man United. So that's just, that was like a natural thing for me to support Manchester United. And um, I mean, Brighton, Brighton are ridiculously good. Um, I think they deserve all the, all the praise in the world. And in all honesty, I do, I, like, I do hope that, that they do get some form of European football, whether, it, you know, whether that does end up being the Champions League, whether it ends up being Europa League or Conference League, whatever it is. I feel like that's... That's the next step for for Brighton and and what you were saying there, Ryan, in terms of the game. Like I can't really disagree with it. I think I can't. I, me as a Man United fan, I can't even sit here and go because Anthony had that chance like three minutes yeah. in or whatever, and he missed. Yeah. I can't even sit here and say if we score that, that's a different game, like a load of other people no. would. Because yes, obviously it would be a different game with one 0 up inside the first like five minutes. But Manchester United have this thing of cruising through a first 20 minutes, half hour, first half. And the second half is abysmal. We've seen it against Spurs, right? 2-0 mm. up. They didn't have a foot in the game and then we go and draw the game 2-2. Two, two. It's it's almost become a, a predictable thing now. Um, so yeah, even if we scored that goal, like I'm pretty sure you guys would have still gone on to, to dominate the game. And, and Manchester United, we're just not in, we're just not in the right headspace and the right, we just don't have the right squad to play Mm. how you guys do You're right. right and that, that sounds right. so silly it, sa- it sounds so stupid but I, I th- and I think a lot of it does come down to you know a lot of people will blame I know Harry Maguire wasn't on the pitch but you know the backup options we have you know we've got our two best centre-halves are injured but look in all honesty Lindelof and Shaw were near enough perfect yesterday yeah. Shaw you know freak handball it's obviously handball it's a penalty you can't argue against it but you know these things happen um and and I don't David De Gea, you know, can't play out the back like Steele can. I thought Steele was ridiculous with his feet. Um, and you deserve you deserve to win ultimately. And it would have been if we managed to get the draw, it would have been a good point. That was kind of you know it got to that stage. It's the squeaky bum time, and you're thinking just get out of here with a point. But um, yeah, what goes around comes around, it, and it definitely came around. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's the end of the podcast. So thanks for, <laughs> for listening, in, everyone. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, funny Charlie, how you mentioned that. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, I was going to just follow on to one of his points because um, it's funny how you mentioned sort of, you know, United don't have the players that we do. And you, yeah, you're right. It sounds weird when you say that. Um, but I think the difference is here to what's happened at United, what's happened at a lot of big clubs. Uh, you know, Liverpool have sort of fallen off. I think they will come back eventually. But Brighton have done this over four years, I think, since 2019, really. We really started to, you know, change the model. The business model changed. You've got a director of football in, you know, the recruitment changed we, we stopped from spending 17 18 20 million on you know sort of rubbish from abroad and we, we, we went for the sort of wonder kid model of going on football manager and finding good players but the difference is now is we've got this for the last four years and these players that signed then when they were probably around 17 18 have been within the club for this long and now that they're coming to sort of 20 21 it sounds young and it is young because it's still younger than i am but it's funny because they've had that four years at the club of learning what we do. And, you know, regardless of who we get in next, it's because of the, the sort of plan that's so well thought out from the top that, you know, it doesn't matter who's going to come in because it's going to suit them. 
And I think that it's not about the personnel. I mean, don't get me wrong, Deserby's a fantastic, he is a great manager um, and there's no doubt. But you saw it with Potter, we said he was irreplaceable only in September. And, you know, now we're saying we've got a manager better than him. I think, you know, as much as it is testament to Deserby for what he's changed, he's changed the mentality, he's changed the way we play. But also it comes down to Tony Bloom and what, what they've started from the top because no matter who comes in, they're going into a role that's going to make them the best they physically can be because the, it's so broad and it's so in-depth. Um, you know, it's, it's, in, it's, it's actually mind-blowing when you think about it mm. like that. The system, uh, the system, sorry, the system that you guys have implemented, um, like it is almost you could put any name into that system and like they'll work rather than what Man United currently have. We don't, we, we kind of have a system, but it's just not like a well-oiled machine that anyone can go into and then they know their yeah. role. It's very much, if we have our best 11, the system works. As soon as you put someone who's not meant to be there, it's almost the system has to change yeah. in order to, um, you know, complement whoever that may be. And as much as Lindelof, obviously Shaw has been phenomenal for us at centre-back, but as much as Lindelof has been also been great, he's not Varane and he's not Martinez, right? He's not a ball kind of carrying or ball progressing centre-half. So we do lose a lot of the progression into midfield and you see a lot more long balls. And ever since David De Gea had that howler at Sevilla, you see a lot more long balls from him as well and less playing out from the back. And I can guarantee you, you know, whether it takes two years, three years, four years, five years, if Ten Hag is still at the club, that is not how he wants to play. It's never how he played at Ajax. He's going to want to play out from the back. He's going to want to, you know, just like Deserby said, I can't remember the quote off the top of my head, but he said something along the lines of, because he got asked of why why he doesn't want to kick it long, why he doesn't want his goalkeepers to kick it long. Because yeah. oh, yeah. he, he's 50 at winning it, right? You'd rather, yeah. you like the odds of the back. It's a gamble, yeah. You, you take risks. And that's the thing that you guys did last night. You took risks and they paid off. The trust that your back five, including your goalkeeper, put in each other when they're under pressure to just little triangles, you know, it, and it's it's so enjoyable as someone who plays football to see, you know, footballers mm. be able to do that because you see them do it in rondos in training and stuff yeah. and then when they can do it on a pitch, yeah. pressured by like three players, like it is, it's so good to watch. No, I know. I was just going to add, actually, you, you both alluded to it as well about the system and, and how Brighton can easily replace players. You, you, so funny enough, um, like the most chat I've been getting from rival fans is about like, oh, when when the Brighton players leave, McAllister leaves, Caicedo leaves, you're going to be done for. But it's funny because that's what everyone said when when Ben White left, when Basuma left, when Kukurea left. So we clearly have a model and we clearly have a replacement sort of ready to go when these players go. And I feel like that that and also the 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 argument, and I'm sure you guys have seen it of how Deserbi is just carrying on Potter's model and he's basically just carrying on the great work that Potter's done but it's a completely different completely different (laughs) way of playing and a completely different you know um yeah, the setup is completely different. The the way we play out the back is different. The you know the system's different. Everything about it is completely different. Of course, we can't disregard what Potter did, and he he was fantastic for us. But I think the argument is very tired and it's very flawed to say that Deserby is simply just taking what Potter did and slightly improving it. I think that's very disrespectful. Uh, and w- would you agree with that, Ryan? Yeah, I think he's, you know, Deserby's been fantastic. Um, the way he's changed the mentality of this team. I think I said it a while ago that the fans haven't kept up with the mentality shift in the squad and also the, you know, the way that Deserby is 
is you know he's a winner he wants to win things he doesn't want to just take the positives and 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 focus on you know if we lose a game it's better than winning a game he wants to win every game and i think that that's a, a different you know a different mentality and there's probably you know why he'll go on to be better than potter i think if he was to go to a bigger team he's got a bit more of a mold to be able to fit that but yeah he's he's coming to does he's coming to bloom's setup and into barber's setup that suits him you know he's got a very free sort of role here he's got you know, players that are so versatile. And I think, you know, uh, Charlie uh, touched on it, how we sort of invert all of our wing-backs. And even, as, you know, Caicedo, who doesn't even play as a wing-back, can still invert and come back in midfield and then drop wide. And I think that the difference is now is we've got, and, and Deserby said it, you know, in the pressers, that we, it doesn't matter about positions. All these players are good enough to play anywhere. And that's the, what he wants to do. He doesn't care about positions. He's not fixated on, you know, whether a player can play here or can play there. He wants all of the players to be able to play everywhere. Yesterday you saw that. I think you see that pretty much every week if you were to watch us. But the diamonds that we're playing, especially with Jason Steele, my God, how he's changed. You know, this is Jason mm-hmm. Steele that we didn't even trust putting in the second team when we were playing against Newport in the Cup. You know, this is this is a Jason Steele now that you'd arguably rather have over Robert Sanchez, who was picked first for the first team of Spain. Um, it's it's mad, but it goes to show again the the, the difference in levels and the, the attention to detail. I think is what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, I, I remember. Sorry, I remember seeing. Obviously, when Potter was leaving, about you know it being almost like turmoil, like what what do what do Brighton do next? And ever since, I actually saw a graph um, when De Zerbi took over, and mm. where like your XG, and then um, I think it was like XG conceded, and literally the XG conceded has just got lower and lower, and then obviously your XG has just got higher and higher and higher. Because I remember it being a theme, yeah. especially when Malpe was there, of just you know Brighton just need a goal scorer, like you know they need a goal scorer, need a goal scorer. But yeah. what you've been able to achieve now off the back of the Zerbi is like, you know, much more than a goal scorer. And may- maybe you guys still think that you might need a, 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 a goal scorer as well. But just the mm. system that you have in place, if you do manage to find a goal scorer, then I mean, you this season, as much as it's been a bit of a weird one, Liverpool, Chelsea, obviously not having the greatest of seasons, you, you, you'd be with a you know, top four shout 100%. Mm. Yeah, oh, I think if we didn't get robbed at Spurs as well, I think that would have uh, yeah. helped towards our push. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> things things uh, things have happened. But um, just going on to sort of battles as well, because we've mentioned a few players, you know, Webster, Steele, um, you know, Rashford as well. You know, with some individual performances. But I want to talk about um, Wambasaka and uh, Matoma because obviously they had a bit of a battle, and of course, a lot there was a lot of debate online about who came out on top, really. Mm. And um, I remember the the, the ch- chance in the first half when Matoma should have squared it, really, uh, but then ended up having the shot and basically knocked out the hair, uh, <laughs> got a nice sort of ball to the face. Um, and then, yeah, there was a, a sort of really good battle, I thought, between the two. Let's start with you, Charlie. Who do you think came out on top? Um, and was it? You know, was it one of those battles where it's it's always going to be difficult for the fullback, uh, especially Brian at home. Matoma, you know, had a fantastic season, uh, but he's obviously played him recently in the FA Cup semis as well. So he sort of knew maybe how to play against him. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think I think Wambasaka. I think the battle in the FA Cup semi final was better than last night's. Um, from Wambasaka's point of view, I think it was quite clear that. He he kind of won that one. The one the one yesterday was a bit odd because, and, and Wambasaka's weird <laughs> with like defensively as 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 good as he is defensively, he's probably one of the best one on one defensive 
kind of players with last ditch tackling all that all that palaver. But he the amount that he was showing Matoma on his left, right? Like he was literally begging him, like, go on, like, I dare you, go, go down this left side. Because it, it, I don't know if it's like something that, they, well, I, I'm guessing it's something they've looked at, right? That Matoma, he studied the art of dribbling, right? He knows he knows what to do and cutting back on his right, his favourite right foot and bending it. Um, and I do think that if Matoma, there was a couple of times, wasn't he, where he was one-on-one with Wan-Bissaka and tried to poke, poke shots if there was a little bit, I don't know whether that comes down to uh, just decision-making, game management of, of just finding a pass or trusting that left foot a little bit more than, you know, it could have been possibly two or three nil. But no, I think I think it's it's a, regardless of, I mean, look, maybe Aaron Wambasaka from his point of view, ultimately he stopped Matoma from scoring. So maybe he looks at, you know, he he's, he's beaten him. Um, Matoma maybe looks at it like, well, you know, I, I managed to actually get a few successful or half, half chances against you. So maybe I look, I, I look at it as if I've beaten you. But I mean, it's a great, it's a great one on one matchup. And look, Wambasaka will always, I think, will always be chosen against those type of players. You go back to the uh, Carabao Cup final when Dallow was actually playing against Saint Maximum, and he was turning him inside out. Wambasaka comes on, Saint Maximum's almost like non-existent. He's got. Aaron Wambasaka looks like he's Bambi on ice, right? When he's got the ball, he looks so awkward. It's, it looks he like does. he doesn't know what he's going to do, but that almost makes him better because I don't think if he doesn't know what he's going to do, yeah, yeah. defenders won't know. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and, he, and he's, you know, all credit to him. Before the World Cup, he, 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 I, know, I think he had a few injury worries and stuff, but he didn't get a look in. Uh, all fans were happy to get rid of him in January and he's turned it completely around and arguably flipped the fan base on their head and a lot of people would rather have Aaron Wan-Bissaka than Dallow now. Dallow's moved obviously over to the left-hand side as of late so now people are like, oh, well, if he can do two jobs like Cancelo-ish, you know, it's probably worth keeping both of them. Mm. But no, I I mean, all credit to Wan-Bissaka. I think he's revived his uh, Manchester United career and whether he, you know, I'd be happy to keep both of them but... I think if one's going to leave, then yeah, I think we're looking at one Bissaka because Dallow's looking at getting a new deal. Yeah. Uh, and Ryan, what do you think of the battle? Who do you think came out on top? I think, yeah, I think Chai's right. There wasn't really much of a battle. Um, I think the first half, um, you know, Matoma had a few goes at him. He did get past him a few times as well. But yeah, that sort of final ball wasn't there. Um, I think that the second yeah. half, we stopped really going that. through him. Um, I, I think, to be honest with you, it was credit to probably the Zerbi for changing that rather than just going through Matoma and almost putting the pressure on him to create chances. Because second half, we didn't really tend to do that too much. We sort of went through the middle a lot more. Um, we used Caicedo a lot um, yesterday and Gilmore was pretty impressive, as I said. So I don't know. I wouldn't say that there was really a, a clear winner. I guess if you were to edge it, you would give it Matoma just because we won the game and he got through a few times. But I wouldn't really say it was one of Matoma's best games anyway. Um, but yeah, don't get me wrong. At, at Wembley, yeah, you'd say you'd say that it was Wambasaka, but I don't. I don't think there was a clear cut winner. I, I guess maybe a bit of Brighton bias. I give it to Matoma because we won the game. But um, as I said, there wasn't. It wasn't like a battle, was it? It wasn't a, a you know. Oh, let's watch Wambasaka and Matoma. It was almost a bit of a media hype for the yeah. sake of it. I, I think, to be honest with you, the, the battles were in midfield, and, and I think when you watched 
particularly Gilmoy still when you watch particularly Casemiro Anthony against Dunk was quite a hilarious one where he sort of bounced off his shoulder about 30 yards but um, yeah those 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 battles were good uh, Matoma against Wan-Bissaka yeah. probably less so yeah, and I, and I completely agree with you. I think I think the I think Matoma was brilliant at getting at, at Wambasaka and potentially you know getting past him a few times, but his end product yeah was was poor to his standards. Um, mm. I think there was that one scuff shot where he tried to sort of like scoop it and De Gea just obviously very easy for him. Um, and then of course where he should have squared it and should have scored potentially. So he started yeah, well. I, I think it wasn't yeah he started well and then sort of just forward off. Um, but let's talk about um, there was a lot of. Uh, it was a very feisty game, to be honest with you. I think maybe because of the what happened in the semi-final, I think the Brighton players yeah. were certainly up for it. Um, and I think in response, the Man United players then then sort of you know uh, went back for it. So um, let's start with you, Charlie. What do you think? There's a few incidents. So there was, of course, um, people were saying Casemiro potentially second yellow, um, and also Anthony uh, obviously kicked out of dunk, and we had that altercation which Ryan has talked about. What do you think of those two decisions? Do you think it should have been Casemiro second yellow, and do you think Anthony should have been sent off for that kick out? Yeah, I think I I I think Casemiro was uh, treading on on thin ice. In all honesty, I think um, I, I don't know if there's some some form. Look, we know, and, and this isn't Man United bias. I think this is across the Premier League and across football refereeing and VAR is abysmal at this current moment in time. Like it's, it's it is awful. Um, but I look, Andre Mariner and Manchester United have had a pretty. Um, I would say up and down relationship over the, this season. It's just been pretty much down, right? And and as soon as you find out that he's refereeing, it's just like, oh, we go again. But no, I, in all honesty, I think I think Casemiro probably uh, on another day he he gets sent off. And I'm very surprised that because you know players almost build up reputations throughout the season. He's already got two two red cards yeah, suspensions. Yeah. Um, so I'm not surprised that he wasn't given another one as well and I, and I don't think you could really have argued against that one being you know and a lot of people you know with Casemiro being sent off one of them for um support I can't remember who the, who the player was grabbing someone like round the collar was oh it? yeah other players yeah. this season have done it so it's like you know which, which one you know if it's going to be it one Fulham? Or, yeah I can't Fulham game? yeah it might it's a Fulham game wasn't it yeah it might have been or Leeds I'm not too sure um yeah. But you know, it's it's it, one rule for one team or just one person. Then you can't implement that same rule. Same, I think when Casemiro again got sent off, um, it might have been on like his second game back in the Premier League um, for going over the top of the ball. And I think the day before, someone did a worse challenge on Jao Felix for Chelsea, and it wasn't. I don't even think it was a yellow card. And it, it is just those little things that, whether it's Man United or not, if you're gonna be do it. You've got to be consistent across the board. Um, that Anthony one as well that you touched on, you could see that coming a mile off. The the little instant that there was before it where he tried to go in between. Um, I don't actually know if he did get touched, but went down, didn't he? Uh, and it, was, it almost was like when Ronaldo first came to United and yeah. um, it was like when something didn't go his way, it's like he's going to kick someone. Yeah, yeah, he's going to kick someone. He's wound up, frustration. He's going to kick someone. And it is... I, I, it's not what you want to see, but in some degree, I almost don't mind it because we, as Manchester United, we haven't had that. You know, you want to win so bad that you 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 almost let it get you a little bit. And I, I don't agree with obviously kicking out and stuff like that. But the South American contingent that we've seen implemented in Anthony Casemiro and Martinez, 
that winning mentality. We, we haven't had that. So some degree, I don't mind, you know, wanting to win so bad and getting frustrated and stuff. And, but obviously you shouldn't, you shouldn't just start booting people for the sake of it. That's not, that's yeah. Well, if you go, if you go down to 10 men, you're going to struggle to, to win games, I think. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. exactly. I, I think, yeah. I think, um, yeah, again, on another day, you, you get sent off for that, um, which shouldn't be the case. It should just be where it's a, it's a, either a red yeah. card or it's yeah, not, right? right? Uh, yeah. It shouldn't be one rule <laughs> yeah. one day and then oh, tomorrow someone does it and gets sent off. You never quite know what's going to happen. But, um, yeah, we, we were we were kind of walking on a, on a, on a tightrope with those decisions. And in all honesty, I was surprised that Casemiro stayed on for the amount of, of time he did after getting that yellow because... He, he, what, what was weird was he wasn't... When you see someone get a yellow card, like a Granite Xhaka, who, who's notorious for getting yellow cards, you usually see him then pull out of tackles or shy away from certain 50-50s. If anything, he just wanted to go into more tackles. And it was like every time the ball went near him, it's like, oh, you're like cringing. You're like, oh, don't get sent off. Like, yeah. don't kick someone. Don't foul someone. And when he obviously did give that foul away, I think it was on McAllister maybe, Um and it's like, God, you're, you're just sat there waiting for VAR to be like, yeah, it's going to be a red card. But no, I mean, luckily for us, that's that's one positive you can take away. Is Casemiro is not suspended again because <laughs> yeah. that wouldn't you'd, be. You'd be struggling. You'd be struggling otherwise. Um, and, and Ryan, um, uh, talk, let's talk about the uh, penalty as well, of course, because so sure after the game, uh, I'm sure you guys saw the the, the post uh, match interview. He actually came out and said that he didn't think it was a foul in the build up. So he said he obviously mm. put his he, he literally put his hands up, uh, so to speak, and admitted uh, that he was a handball. And, didn't handle it well, um, but he yeah he didn't handle it well. But he did uh, admit to well he he was actually very convinced that it wasn't a foul in the build up on Enciso. He thought it went down quite easily. Let's part, first of all start with you, Ryan, from a Brighton perspective. Do you think Enciso went down, and do you think it should have been a foul? Uh, not a foul, sorry, the other way. I think I think it was I think it was it was soft. Yeah, I, I, to be fair, from where I was up in the west upper, it looked like a foul because obviously you see his arm go around and you see someone fall on the floor. You're going to say it's a foul. Um, I think the way that it was, as we were just talking about the Anthony moment, it was it, we're talking probably ten minutes before, five minutes before. Um, I, I had lost my head to the extreme by that point, and I was I was absolutely shouting probably more than I'd be taking pride for. And yeah, I, I I did go a bit mad, and I think yeah, by the time we got to that point, I just everything was a foul, wasn't it? As, you know, someone touches you, you're going to be screaming. So I think when uh, and Cesar went down, maybe I, I haven't I haven't actually watched it back, ironically, so I I can't judge. But from where I was at the time, I screamed foul. If it was or not, I can't tell you. But I, I think that, yeah, the, the arm was high. I did see that bit. Um, and it, it definitely was handball. You can't deny that one. But um, yeah. maybe. But then again, on the balance of the game, the way it was going, my God, get us, give us something, you know. So I think that, um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we deserved something out of that. If we come out of that game with, with nothing again, mm. um, you know, we would have been, we'd have been gutted. So it was nice yeah. to have something go our way. Agreed. And and quickly, Charlie, um, I just want to get your, your thoughts on or your take on Bruno Fernandes. Because, look, as non-Man um, United fans, we can appreciate he's a very good player, right? He's a, he's a, he's a top quality uh, player and, and he's very integral to, to what Man United want to do uh, well. But uh, he's he's very petulant, to say the least. He, he loves a moan um, and he's got, uh, I think he's got that now... Um, especially from referees, I think. Uh, now he's got that reputation of being that moaner, being the person that gets into the ref's face and, you know, very, very vocal when it comes to decisions. 
Uh, is it frustrating for you as a um, as a Man United fan? Sorry, um, you know, seeing this from Bruno Fernandes, or, or again, like you, you were mentioning earlier, you actually quite like to see maybe it's the passion or or the fight from Bruno Fernandes. What's your take on his sort of uh, personality in, in football? Um, no, Bruno. Bruno. I think it's quite clear overall that Manchester United are a better team when he is involved. I think we create a lot more chances, and you know, he, as you said, he's a he's a he's a brilliant footballer. Uh, more often times than he's not. I think there was a, um, I can't remember who it was against, but there was, there was a game wasn't there where it was, it was noted um, and made a huge thing. And, and and this is what I don't understand. It's like, that's, he's always done it right. Like since he's come, he's always very, very emotional, very hands kind of, you know, gesturing and moaning and stuff. And I feel like it has just been made like a huge, huge thing all of a sudden, like now um, me, me personally, if I, I kind of think if I was playing with someone like that, I mean it would be it would be a little annoying, but then you've almost got to contextualize it to the point of like it, it, he's not moaning and playing like rubbish every week and not offering anything. Like he is doing it for the better of the team, and and this is what I didn't understand about um, the, the comments of Gary Neville that time where he, he just put this false narrative out of. Bruno asking to come off the pitch. He's asking to be subbed when he clearly wasn't. He was asking, like, because I think Eric Ten Hag made some subs and uh, he was gesturing, like, where's everyone playing? Like, where am I playing? And it, and it's like, you know, to come from... Uh, Gary Neville does this thing on commentary, whenever, especially when he's uh, commentating on United games, of going complete opposite of bias and is really harsh on United. It's almost like his way of counteracting him being able to commentate on us. Um, and, and it just didn't make sense at all. Like he put this narrative and then obviously the media gets hold of it and then it's a huge big thing. Um, no, I, I, in all honesty, sometimes it can be a little frustration, frustrating. Again, it comes down to what context we're in in the game, what type of games being played. Um, if we're winning, we're losing, you know, it, sometimes it can be a little bit annoying, but that's part and parcel of Bruno Fernandes. I think he's a, he's a brilliant player. Um, I, the numbers that he's put up for Manchester United since joining is ridiculous. So if, if you want a player like that, I, I, you know, you, you, you take yeah. him again. So he passion. comes with his baggage, right? I suppose that his baggage is <laughs> his, his personality, I suppose. And so you're, as a Man United fan, I suppose you, you've got all sort of, up with it but um ryan i'm just in, in um, i'm just looking at the time here so i just want to just get a few more points up um so let's talk about the penalty what a penalty it was by McAllister. ryan um yeah what a finish that was and a pressure moment as well i know he's a world cup winner he's been there done that he's been in <coughs> pressure environments before he's, he's had some really important moments for us for his country um and so he knows what he's doing in those kind of situations but to step up in the what 99th minute against manchester united uh with european football on the line um, yeah, how big of a moment is that for, for Brighton going forward now in the, in the season? He didn't just step up; he put it right in the top corner. I think that's what was that's what was mad. You know, he, the the way he waited it was it was an agonisingly long wait. He waited. You know, he composed himself. The silence across the ground when that happened. I mean, it was it gone. It's gone from this crazy moment of everybody going mad because oh my god, we might have a penalty. So then the referee goes over to VAR. I, I, I felt sick. I actually felt sick. I was saying to my dad next to me, I was on his shoulder, like, I can't, I can't do this. I actually can't, I can't deal with this. 
And I said, I actually feel ill watching this. I said, I'm, I'm, I was shaking like this. It was just as bad as Wembley in that final, uh, semi-final. I was, I was like this. I was completely gone. And I said, please, just don't, just don't miss <laughs> just, this. You know? Just, just on that right. Because um, I was watching it from home, obviously. And um, uh, I, I saw the commentary were like, oh, it's... Is March taking it? Why is he in the box? And I was like, please, sorry, March. Because like, they're also like, it's redemption, isn't it? For, for, yeah, for Wembley. No, like, he's going to step sorry. up and take it. And I was like, yeah. I was like sorry, Solly, but please do not. Because yeah. I saw, because I thought, you know, um, have you seen in the past where players, what they do, they distract the, so to distract from away from the actual penalty taker, they'll take the ball and, you know, use it as like a, yeah, like a tactic. And I thought when Callum was doing that, I was like, please, God, no. Um, and then thankfully, that wasn't a tactic. It was just simply him taking nah. the ball to take the penalty. Um, but no, you're right. I think just uh, you know that that pressure uh, and I think I was so nervous and just sort of just praying we didn't fuck it up and then of course even then even done the the, the Rashford I'm, I'm I'm sure he wasn't taking the piss but even done the the you know well actually was it fingers in the ears wasn't it uh, not quite Rashford I mean I don't know there. my phone went flying I fell over and I went <laughs> I nearly um, fell down the steps as well because I, I on the sorry the chair in front because I was yeah I was going mad but to be fair it was one of those moments where you. It's just what you go to football for. And this yeah. is to all those people that left early. My God, what were you doing? What were you doing? I want to actually call people out right now. If you left early, this is why you don't leave early at games. Because what were you What were you thinking? You're in the car on the way back or in the train. What were you doing when you saw that goal come up? What, what were you actually... Were you thinking, oh my God. They're probably you at missed home another one. Ryan, to be fair. Yeah, they're, they're probably, probably at home early. Well, it wasn't for me. I got stuck in traffic all way. I meant to be an hour and a half. Might as well go to London. But um, yeah. yeah, it was... Oh, mate, I, can't, I yeah. can't even... You can't replace was, those emotions in football. It's what it's all about. And it's very cliche. But, you know, when you lose your head like that and you you got, you know, random strangers you're grabbing onto that you, you, you're acting like you've known them for the rest of your life and... I think when, when those moments happened, I think it was personified the feeling of this team as well. You saw Levi Colwell, you saw Alexis McAllister, you saw pretty much the whole squad yeah. just going absolutely Andrew mad. Andrew Crofts dancing. Andrew yeah. Crofts dancing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's stuff like that that I think makes this team stronger. And I hope, I hope that it's just some sort of, you know, twist in the media narrative where they want to always whirlwind our players all the time. You know, you see Alexis's face there. He ain't putting that on, that's for sure. But I hope that. Yeah. You know, they can start pressing that they actually want to be here for once rather than just touting them for transfers to big yeah. clubs all the time, you know. But, but, but no. that's a brilliant, brilliant segue, Ryan. Because, uh, yeah, uh, I appreciate uh, we've got limited time. So, just final two points then. So, for, uh, penultimate point. McAllister, uh, will he stay or will he go? Of course, he's massively linked with uh, Liverpool. Pretty much, his, his dad's come out and said he's leaving. Uh, but then he done his press conference. Uh, sorry, done his uh, post match interview with the Sky pundits yesterday, and he was saying about how much he loves the club, how special he makes them feel, um, and it's just a, an incredible place to be. So, do we reckon McAllister will stay, or is it pretty much nailed on that he is leaving in the summer? Either of you want to take this one? I, I mean, I, I think. From a, from an outside point of view, um, just going off of obviously what you see, like Fabrizio Romano and stuff, say, yeah, um, I, I think he's kind of dead set on leaving. Just from what I see, but again, like I, I, I just think if I was a Brighton fan, I, I probably wouldn't be worried, <laughs> just because of like you almost have this conveyor belt and like, yeah, oh well, one player's leaving, let's plant the seed for this other guy to come through, and then he's going to be better than whoever we've just lost anyway. Yeah, it's like Basuma, right? When he lost Basuma, mm. obviously to Spurs, and he was like 
you know, quite a few clubs are obviously linked with him. And then you've got Caicedo come out and he's like 10 times the player. Obviously, Basuma hasn't had a very good season, hasn't played many minutes, but like Caicedo seems to be like 10 times the player that Basuma was. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, just from what's coming out and I think Fabrizio was saying like, oh, it seems to be something that's going to be very early on as well. Um, and I think I saw a few Liverpool reports yesterday or the day before. Um, look, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that may change depending on obviously where you guys do actually finish in in the in terms of say you do I think that's huge yeah yeah say you do obviously get European football in terms of Europa League or, or Champions League whatever it may be I don't know if that then changes his mind um, I don't know why you'd kind of make up your mind especially in the position you're in I don't know why you'd make up your mind dead set now yeah that's that, that's um, happened uh, that's happened a lot recently uh, well in in the recent times with with agents i think like obviously Caicedo was was all but set to leave to go to arsenal and you know he, he put that instagram post up which i'm sure wasn't him but his team around him and i think that's happened a lot like like you mentioned especially from romano uh he he's he's tweeted a lot especially in the, in the lead up to the semi final he i think he tweeted about McAllister and Caicedo about 30 times uh, in mm-hmm. the lead up to that game so yeah it's this it's this weird sort of, sort of thing at the moment with with our players like like Ryan touched on it seems like they want to just unsettle a lot of our players, and I don't know if that's if that's a way to maybe I don't know try and derail our, the the final bit of our season. I, I'm not too sure. Maybe that's just me being you know my uh, tin foil hat on. But uh, yeah, quickly, Ryan, do you think did you think Mac will stay or go? Mate, I honestly think it's a massive toss of a coin. Like obviously, mm-hmm. it's really well winding, isn't it? There's a lot of tweets flying around about so and so wants this and so and so wants that. All that you know that ever comes out from Alexis's mouth is that if he stays. He's not going to be an unhappy player. If he goes, it'll have to be for the right money. You know what the club's like. It, you know, especially if you've got a player that's quite happy. Um, you know, you know that you're not going to have a big problem on your hands of you know like the Trossard situation where he forced to move out. I think the only one that I've ever seen at the club in recent times to force a move was Leandro. So I don't think we'll have that with Alexis. At least I think he's a bit more integral. You know, a bit more, a bit more integrity to him than that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It depends if anyone wants to pay sort of the 75 million that people were twacked out in. Probably be even more than that, knowing our club, probably 80, 90 million, to be honest. Um, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, yeah, if people want to spend the money, he'll go. If not, I don't think we'll have an unhappy Alexis. Yeah, no, agreed. And then final question, Charlie, I'll, I'll let you wrap up the show. Um, two questions, actually. Quickly, uh, will Man United make top four? Because obviously now Liverpool are now you know just behind you. And will Brighton make Europe? Uh, I still do think we will get top four, yes. Uh, obviously, I think we're four points ahead of Liverpool with a game in hand. Obviously, I'd rather yeah, have the points. Right. But I, I just... Uh, and I feel like the... I think we need... I think mathematically it's nine points from the last games. Um, and we play West Ham. I don't know if this is in order, but West Ham, Wolves, Chelsea, uh, Fulham. I don't know if there's another one in there as well. But you, you'd like to say that you know we should be able to... I think there's only one away game in there as well. Um, so you'd like to say our home form has been pretty good. Um, in terms of uh, with with Brighton getting Europe, do you mean any any European football or? Yeah, let's go. Let's go Europa League and above. Okay, um, I I reckon so. Yeah, I reckon I reckon minimum um, Europa League, and I, and I feel like Brighton should be ambitious enough to kind of expect that now. Um, I agree. I feel like expectations and stuff do change, obviously, as the season goes on. Arsenal fans would never have had them in a title race at the start of the season, right? Same as me for United. I never they would have said that now. we would have finished 
<laughs> I would have never I would have never had United finishing um in the top four in all honesty. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I think Brighton will will get it. I, I just think Spurs, no. Um I think the only team that really you have to worry about is that that's currently um near near you is is Liverpool, but then you've got two games in hand on them, right? Yeah. And I think you win both yeah. of them, um you you obviously then kind of leapfrog them. So I don't know who those two games in hand are. I don't know if you're Newcastle City. <laughs> <laughs> We've yeah. got some tough games. Okay, so yeah, you've yeah. got you've got some you've got some difficult games. But no, look, I, I mean you you've you've proven that you can you can go toe to toe with the biggest the biggest teams in the Premier League and, and you know you've obviously you've obviously beaten us last night. So no, I don't think I don't think I feel like Brighton are, are, when you want to come into form this is the time you want to come into form, right? City have done it towards the end of the season when there's a lot to play for, a lot on the line. This is exactly when you needed to to show no fear. And, and yeah, I, I mean, fair play to, to to Brighton. And I think if you if Brighton somehow managed to get in the Europa League and Newcastle somehow managed to get into the Champions League, like mm. how who how crazy is that? Imagine we're in the Champions Championship and together and Villa as, well. as well. It's madness. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, and it, Aston Villa as well, doing really well yeah. this season. Mental, so, yeah. Juno yeah. Emery, Dracula, he's done He's done well. <laughs> but, uh, Villa are a weird right, team, though. Right. Yeah. Villa are a weird team. I'm not so. I'm not convinced as much as I am on United uh, we Newcastle. Just, we can just leave it there, I think. Mm. <laughs> just leave it there. Yeah, the Villa are a weird I, team. <laughs> they are weird. But I don't know. I think, I think that when you look at setups and stuff, I think we still lead that sort of area at the moment. I think Newcastle have done exceptionally well, don't get me wrong, but still when you look at them teams around us, you know, even Liverpool this season, you would fancy us on a, you know, we've beaten them uh, 3-0 at the Amex, we beat them in the FA Cup as well, we drew them in Anfield. So, you know, we're unbeaten against them, we did a double over United, I think we, you know, we're better than Newcastle. Um, you know, there's there's teams around there that I think we are better than. We've just we've had a bit of hard time as well with obviously the, the decisions and the VARs. I think we're the worst off in the league. So you know, if those go for you, then it's a different different setup. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Well, look, thank you so much, Charlie, uh, for joining us. It's been great Top to man. have you. Great to have a uh, yeah. You've you've been a great insight into to Brighton and Man United, of course. Um, so yeah, really really appreciate your time, mate. Uh, it's great and. And finally, uh, we always do a comments down below, Charlie. Now, I don't want to put any pressure on you, mate, but we always put comments down below so to get our audience to put a comment down below. What would you like this week? Anything you want, you want to uh, I want, as in like what people to comment? Yes. If they've made it this far in the video, want... basically, then they comment yeah. what you say. Yeah. Okay, okay, right. Let's have a think. I want people to comment down below where... Oh, uh, let's let's do what we what we ended it on where where they think Brighton will finish this season. Love it, love it, love it, love it. That's a great cool. one. Yeah. So down below, comment down below where Brighton will finish this season. Love that. Uh, and of course, please make sure you uh, like, subscribe, all that jazz, all that good stuff. Really appreciate all the support. Uh, and of course, keep streaming on Apple and Spotify. And yeah, finally, thank you so much, Charlie. Really appreciate you coming on. And we'll see you for when is it, Ryan? Next time. Everton Monday. Soon. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.